Welcome to the first ever Brightcast. Woo! Yeah. Exciting. Um, we've already filmed it, so this is the intro. And coming up, you're going to hear us talk about what we've been up to this week as an agency. We're going to mention Jean-Claude Van Damme. Van Damme gets a mention. He does. Uh, we're going to give plenty of insights and uh, some tips through experience, but also, you know, just thoughts. Yeah, we, we look at where's the funny, uh, yeah. why funny is needed in marketing and video. Yeah. and Why it works, and we sort of discuss why people are scared of it and what they can do to sort of get past that as well. And on that note, let's get started. Uh, go check it out. Do you want to do a lead in as to well? To it, to it, to it, to it. Are Let's we go. ready? Here we are. And I think on that and point, boosh. The very first Brightcast. Yes, it's been a long time coming. The uh, the backdrop looks amazing. I can't believe how good it looks. Uh, and for people listening, it's being filmed. So straight off the bat, we're tempting people to go to YouTube and watch this obviously after they subscribe to the podcast on their podcast listening devices yeah we, we should say this we're a visual marketing agency yeah this is a podcast so obviously we want you to look at something we sound good but we also look good for the background looks joe good. do we look good no, oh, no. but no one can see him for the listeners and for the viewers oh, he's actually given he said, us yeah. three what a thumbs up <laughs> what a guy so the structure of the podcast, it kind of, we're going to start with what we've been on this week. Um, there's a few things we run through, but we'll go through that as we go, I think. We don't need to yeah. explain it. I, I think off. this week as well, we've got quite a shared thing because our focus has been on the podcast and getting yeah. the first episode right. Yeah. Mentioned the backdrop, so we had to get that finished. Um, Looks amazing. Jess did a lot of the work. I did a lot yeah. of the work. It's nice that we did it in-house in terms of like, we've done everything for the podcast, sort of all the structure, the artwork, the trailer, obviously. We're producing it ourselves. Yeah. Also did yeah. the really nice backdrop ourselves. Yeah, and we're making sure like when we were going into the, you know, the minutiae of the detail of it, and then we realized we're using great cameras that so the background will be slightly out of focus. So no one will know anyway. We could have really budged it and maybe finished a week ago. To be clear, that's great cameras out of focus because we want them to be out of focus. Yeah. We should be in focus. If yeah. not, someone's getting fired. Yeah. So podcast. I've got a question then on podcast. Okay. Why do each of you think we're doing a podcast? And there's no wrong answer, but what, why do you think... We're doing one or should be doing one. Six months ago, you guys called this a podcast room. And I've honestly, <laughs> now, right now, I'm just too afraid to ask why. So I'm here because of that reason. Okay. It's more, I think, for us, like content creation. Like as an agency, we focus a lot on the content we create for clients. And we never really go into detail about what we do in the background, how we create things, the reasoning, the mm -hmm. strategy behind everything. And I think it was a case of being able to sort of come down and film a weekly thing and kind of go through some topics people can talk about and listen uh yeah me too actually i take back my original answer <laughs> that as well well we come from different positions don't we so i mean i've been listening to podcasts since they were on vinyl jess you've gotten into podcasts in quite a big way especially this year i think yeah yeah and drew you've recently discovered what podcast means so we were all at different stages. Drew listened um, to a couple before filming this, so he's yeah. kind of knows what they are. But actually, to that point, so the reason I think I wanted to do the podcast was a few things around working here. We do 
things that I find interesting and we have conversations I find entertaining, not always about the work, almost 50%, I would say, at least not about the work. And they're, they're interesting to me. Maybe others will. But definitely the stuff we do, I think, is interesting to people. And we work a lot with other business owners and they will get some value from yeah, this, I, yeah. I, I think anyway. Um, and then because I've listened to a lot of podcasts and watched a lot of sort of YouTube content and content creators, I think we've got something different to bring to it as well. So I, I, I think it's the combination of those things in that actual value people can take away, but also the way we do it, uh, you know, partly our mindset, what makes how we do things a bit different, and then the content creation side where it's a bit laid back. And, you know, we mostly do things if it entertains us and gets results. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think my, um, my reluctance to do a podcast in the, in the past, because obviously you guys kind of had to persuade me to do the podcast, like you guys were definitely both up for it when I wasn't really yeah. either up for it or just really understood the point of it, yeah. I guess. Because like you say, I, I don't really listen to that many podcasts. I only listen to a couple. Um, and only really in the past year, I'd say I've really gotten into those few podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. But I think for me, it's a mixture of imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. Britishness, and just loss of objectivity. Yeah. Because I think the Britishness, the imposter syndrome, and the loss of objectivity combine... And they make you think that you don't really know what you're talking about or the thing that you're talking about isn't of value or the thing you're talking about, everybody already knows. Yeah. Yeah. But then you watch loads of like tutorials, you know, vlogs, lis listen to podcasts and you hear people say things. You're like, well, I, I knew that. Yeah. Or, oh, OK, I didn't know that. We, well, we, that sounds like a really simple thing. We, but either way, like yeah. the outcome of it is like, I think I do actually have something I could talk about here. Yeah. We, we train a lot of people here. Like we have a lot of youngsters come. We have work experience come and work. And please, no more people apply. We have we have plenty. Uh, but part of that is it's cumulative Emails. knowledge, isn't it? It's cumulative knowledge that you've obtained and then you sort of take it for granted. And yes. What, yeah. I, what I, I heard a great response to imposter syndrome recently, which is, uh, yeah, welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, everyone feels it. Moving on. In setting this up, uh, we did a few mini tech run-throughs. None of them worked. None of them worked. None of them worked. Yeah. But and I wasn't even here for two of them. We learned why they didn't work, and we were pretty confident. Yeah, we won't do that again. So uh, it's, it was more. Going. Yeah, it was more. Of course, audio with video is important. But it was more in terms of like we've never filmed a podcast before. We've never we've never had this level of audio equipment. I would say like yeah. we have good video mics, but in terms of like actual podcast equipment, yeah, it's a different setup. Yeah, so we we've done a lot of research into it. We've bought new equipment. We've bought new mics, yeah. obviously, to try yeah. and... Oh, yeah, I don't know, if, don't know if people have seen this. A bit of a plug, obviously, for the YouTube channel again, but we did a daily, we do bright dailies, and one of those was basically on the failure of the first tech run-through yeah. because we, uh, we're we going to go into our F8 field recorder. It's got a bunch of different inputs on it, so we're going to go straight into there. It died. Then we're going to go into a little audio interface that we've got. Couldn't find the power supply. Yeah. So I had to order the Rodecaster, which uh, Joe's currently on the Jodecaster, and uh, it's loads better. It's amazing. I think it's just yeah. one of those things where it's like even people that are good at content creation, I'd say we're we're good at content creation. Like there's still a field of like there's so much knowledge that we can still learn like from it. Yeah, you're so always it, learning. We've got a real yeah. learning mindset here that uh, I think everyone that works here has and shares, which is great. I think that moves us on to like sort of lessons we learned in setting this podcast up then. One is get the equipment right. Now, I don't think you need to invest 
perhaps as much as we have. But ours is quite a complicated setup. It's a three-person thing. Decorated the room, kitted the room out and stuff. Yeah. Furniture, all that jazz. You don't need to go to that extent necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Content of the podcast should be king. We happen to be visual marketing, so we also we have an added pressure of making it look good and better than, you know, other people's. Yeah. So that's why we went to the extent we have, so, but other people wouldn't do that. But what, what other tips do you think you would give people if they're wanting or thinking about setting a podcast up? Think about a format. So in your podcast, what value are you actually going to give? Yeah. Like what, who you're marketing to, who you're targeting with this podcast and what those people are actually going to get from it. So is it is it value based? Is it is it tips and tricks? Is it is it more insights into an agency? I guess for us it is a mixture of all of those things. Like it's an insight into what we do on a daily basis. It's insights into projects. But yeah, it's just about finding that like what are you going to talk about? Like you can't just ramble for an hour and expect someone to listen to that. Someone needs to be able to think oh, I listened to that podcast last week. Oh, I learned this thing or I found this interesting or I'm going to go away and find yeah. some more on that or, yeah, that was really value-based or worth listening to. Because I think that's how I get into podcasts Yeah, for those topic things and for those formats. But then you do get to know the people. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you get to like them and listen to them and things like that. Letting your culture shine through is probably one of the, the things that's most important as well. Like, yeah. you can have good content, but if someone doesn't enjoy listening to, like, the conversations you're having or the way you get that information across, I guess. Yes. Drew, tips? Tips that you've learned being I, a, a relative newbie? Yeah, I would say... Uh, Ask me next week and I'll give you more tips. <laughs> um, right now, I think it's just one of those things where it's just a do it uh, mentality. Yeah, yeah. So you and I were going to do a podcast with another guy we know several yeah. years ago because we had a, a film that was about to be picked up as a feature film and was potentially going to star Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. as the uh, the lead actor. So we were going to do a podcast to to yeah track track the production, the pre-production, yeah, production, yeah. post-production of it. It didn't happen. No. Neither did the podcast. No. But one big thing I learned was to not, keep saying wait has it started now so wait can we start again sorry can we mulligan yeah, that can we go yeah. back again because it's all i kept saying because i didn't understand the point of the podcast yeah i didn't understand it was a conversational piece it's conversation like you were saying jess there's structure and stuff involved there's you know structure there's points you want to hit there's value you, you do want to give obviously yeah yeah but it's personality it's conversation like Nobody just wants to hear you run through a presentation. Yeah, yeah, it's they not PowerPoint, to, is it? Yeah. But if we've, you know, we're, we're chatting yeah. about other stuff. Our mind has very much been on the podcast, though, hasn't it, this week? Yeah. Uh, what I liked about that story, though, is so it sounds like we sort of invented these personas of uh, having listened to a lot of podcasts, listened to a lot recently, not really listened to much. But then you gave a great evidential example of I've even been on a podcast and I didn't know then I'm still, still a newbie. Yeah. And that's good objectivity that, that drew's going to bring to it like a bit of an outside perspective yeah definitely so the next section of the structure is something called bring a thing it's where each of us will bring something creative that we've seen in the week that has given us inspiration that we've taken like tips from maybe something that's inspired us or something we've just found really cool something it could be videos could be imagery it could be ads yeah anything you want to bring nice. do you want to go first rob yeah, so this is an actual bringer thing that n neither of you know about. But recently I subscribed to two online courses. One of them is a happiness course. Uh, and the reason really is it's, it's kind of related to our main topic later is in that, in that report, there's a really scary sort of stat where 
of all the, I think it's 16,000 people that were canvassed for this um, research, apparently in the last two years, only 49% of those people answered that they've felt, they feel like they've felt true happiness in the last two years. That's crazy. You know, it's through pandemic and stuff, but mm. 49 people. And when my mind works, when I read something like that, I ask those questions of myself. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll do this course. And so my actual bringer thing is Harvard Business School are doing free courses for a little bit. One of them is this. Another one I've signed up for is a, is a niche sort of management course, leadership course, which is quite cool as well. But a happiness course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it, I think the aim of it is to ask questions about where and how you can feel happier and then sort of tap into that when you're unhappy, uh, a bit of emotional intelligence, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, may, maybe that can help me be a better leader as well. Are you, are you feeling happier now? So, yeah, I've only done one two-hour session, so I, I can get my smile to here. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. That's pretty and impressive. And for people listening, it's, it's, I'd say it's a half smile. You get in there. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's broken wind. Yeah. Barely. Yeah, so happiness course was my bringer thing. Oh, well, sorry, Harvard Business School online is my bringer thing uh interesting you can do a lot of the courses for free but if you want a certificate proving you do the course you have to pay about 150 quid will you feel oh, happier after that my smile will be my certificate i guess they'll be happier yeah that's true yeah. yeah yeah so you are spreading happiness still so that's my bringer thing yeah nice jess you feeling happy happier no rob's happy i'm feeling happier that's nice <laughs> oh, the exact opposite oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you want to go next, Drew? Yeah, I'm, uh, I've brought BPM, and it's uh, Bullets Per Minute. It's a game by a company called Or Interactive, and our connections to those guys kind of go way back. We did some uh, video game stuff for the director of the company ages ago yep. when, it was, when he was part of a different company. My, my first, uh, that was my first job yeah. working with you in a, in a corporate video environment, really. And yeah. it was mainly because I had a car big enough to get equipment in that could drive to France. And you had a drone. And I had a drone, yeah. Yeah, so it was when Future Proof kind of had just started and uh, uh, criteria to become a director of a company was car and drone. And you ticked <laughs> yeah. both of those boxes. <laughs> but yeah, we did, did loads of work for, the, for him. And then he left that company, started Aura Interactive, made a game called BPM Bullets Per Minute, and we've been working with them, doing their trailers for the past couple of years, I'd say. Yeah. But the latest one is for Nintendo Switch. It's for the Nintendo Switch release. Um, it's out now already, and it's published by Platonic Games, who did Ukulele, and they've got connections to like Banjo and Kazooie, if you're yeah. like an old school gamer. But yeah, we did BPM, we did a trailer for them, and it was a Nintendo Switch one, and this one was a different one, in the sense that all the others previously have just been game footage, whereas this yeah. was actual live footage as well. And um, I loved it. I thought it was great. We did it actually in here. Yeah. In this room. Uh, in this room. Before the backdrop was there, we yeah. had uh, this set up as, like it, if it, as if it was a front room. We had uh, Molly, Molly Goods, the actress, the actor. She basically played Switch all day. Yeah. Or appeared to play Switch all day. Yeah, we had to fake a lot of it. Had to fake loads of it. But yeah, it was great. We, we had, you know, effect shots, you know, some cool transitions in yeah. there. Just a really good shoot day. And then just really pleased with the outcome, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and they were, and it's you know it's on the Nintendo store now, and people can see it and things yeah, like that. Yeah. What what I think was good is because it was for the previous ones were gameplay only footage. This one suited the sort of live element of it because it was Switch, so there was motion control. You can play it, you know, yeah. handheld yeah. Joy-Con. 
So I, I think with the others, it wouldn't have had that narrative for a start, but no. for there, showing the gameplay was was priority and yeah, rightly yeah. so. I mean, yeah, it came out to start off with on PC. Um, as a PC gamer, I don't think people want to look at people like me, so it makes perfect sense it was gameplay only. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't believe it, because, you know, handsome guys shouldn't be gamer nerds. I get it. Yeah. Je- Jess, your uh, bringer thing? I've got something to show, which obviously on a podcast, but on the video we'll pop it up. Yep. It's some Monopoly ads that have basically been going around. They've been quite popular on LinkedIn. And it's mainly about using emotion in marketing. So Monopoly have kind of created... I'm guessing it's happiness, right? The main emotion, Monopoly. Uh, uh, I don't think you've played Monopoly. It's the opposite. So uh, just you're just a winner. Win, yeah. Yeah. Um, the kind of ads they've created is using kids because obviously Monopoly is more targeted to families and with yeah. kids. And it's kind of using that stressful uh, emotion you have when playing a Monopoly. If yeah. you're a family without kids, you can still play Monopoly. I don't know why. I guess it's gatekeeping that. <laughs> Crazy. Um, so they've got like messaging where it's like Monopoly for learning how to calm down. Monopoly for dealing with a setback. So it's kind of positioning that emotion that you kind of feel, that, yeah. that anger or like... But, putting it as like a learning curve rather than yeah. like positioning it as a negative. Yeah, it's L&D, a bit of a rite of passage for children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> it, <laughs> um, but it's basically using emotion in marketing. So it's basically tapping into that, like the emotion you're feeling when you're playing that. The, yeah. the every, Everyone, like you say, everyone's felt that it's when playing Monopoly. It's nostalgia as well. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But yeah, it's a universal thing, isn't it? So I think yeah. having that, everyone understands it. it it'd be a good away. writer's tool because it, it's one of those things where how characters react in those situations tells informs you about those characters so quite often they'll do it around a dinner table mm. and that's yeah. how to establish how you know yeah the yeah. characters are but i have actually seen one of those and i saw like all the comments were like oh totally i've got a couple of kids at home and we play it and we have this exact yeah. same but yeah. of course they do everybody does yeah i don't know yeah. any family who enjoys playing it yeah like i mean i like playing it but i like the drama and the yeah, tension you, like, you get yeah. from the game yeah yeah, yeah. whereas my yeah. wife does not like playing it at all. <laughs> yeah. Hates it. Um, we'll, guys, we'll do a Team Monopoly day one I'm day. I'm excited. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see who's still here for the next <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I like it. So moving on slightly, uh, each week we're going to have a main topic, which we'll, we've done some background research on, and we kind of come together and talk about yeah. what value we can bring from it, some tips we can give to listeners. Um, so this week, I think Rob picked the topic for this week. Yeah, and, and it's, it's where's the funny? So, and, and this has been on my mind forever. So we attract quite a few clients because stuff we do is humorous for ourselves mostly, but we've done it for some clients, but they come to us because of that and they would like to do that. And there's actual science why they should want to do that. But then they sort of get a bit scared. So the report that came out, do you have the... Yeah. The authors of it. Uh, so it's a new research report from Oracle Fusion Cloud Customer Experience and Gretchen Rubin. Yes. I believe it's Dr. Gretchen Rubin. Might, Sorry. Not, might not say it there, but I, I think it Gretchen is. Gretchen Rubin. Funnily enough, I heard her on a podcast fairly recently. I think the main stat that kind of stuck out was that 91% of brands want to be funny. Yes. But 95% scared of, of, of like of the CEOs, decision yeah. CEOs and decision yeah. makers are scared to be funny and but the reason they want to is what the research shows which I think it was around 80% of people value uh, that they, they rebuy they they become brand advocates uh, and and basically spread the word 
Yeah, seventy two percent would choose a brand that uses humor over the competition that doesn't. Yeah. So even the initial decision making yeah. based on that. Which doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise any of you? No, it doesn't surprise me. But but even if you think about your own experience with brands and the brands you like, like funny stands out to me. And it's it, and it's an emotion. I think that people enjoy. Yeah, I watched like a 20-minute Mint mobile ad with Ryan Reynolds in a country where Mint mobile doesn't exist, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Purely because it was Ryan Reynolds. I was like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It didn't mean anything to me. just yeah. wanted to watch some Ryan Reynolds, that's all. Yeah. And you're spreading the word. Yeah, Mint mobile, guys. <laughs> and that brings us on to our segue of today's, today's sponsor is Mint mobile. <laughs> so the main reason to bring the topic up was not necessarily to say, you know, people should be funny, but... Why do you think 95% of CEOs are scared of, of being funny in, in, in the first place? I think it's that they don't understand necessarily what funny is. I don't mean that in a way of like they don't know what makes them laugh or they don't know what makes the people around them laugh. I think it's that like CEOs might not find what their target audience finds funny funny. Yeah. yeah so say if their target audience is a completely different like target segment to themselves or their team or, or the board members, particularly the people that make the decisions. When a marketing person comes to them or agencies like ourselves or even internal marketing people like come up with this idea that that's, that's funny, then pitch it to these board directors. If they don't find it funny, like they don't think it, it's right. So, so it's like when they say they're scared to be funny, I think it's more about the fact that like, they don't understand the humour that they're putting out or they don't understand, like... Or they think it's too far. They think it, just it might offend people or they're scared to offend... Like, not offend yeah, people yeah, necessarily, yeah. but, like, they think it will when, when it won't because their target audience, again, is a completely different segment to themselves. Yeah. So I think there's two things in there. There's sort of, like, misdirected... Uh, so I, I guess when you think of every, like, commercial gone bad, it's normally a joke that's not landed or it's misinterpreted yeah. or something like that. So they're probably aware of those and they're worried about that and then the other one really was about how do you pitch up to that level so you know you go into a room with 10 people senior level only five of them find it funny should that be why you shouldn't yeah. progress it up and go to the ceo and get their decision you know it's uh that that's probably a stumbling block as well yeah I, th I think i think it's a bit of a a bit of a kind of moot or silly point in favor of them not going with funny um, as in like, you know, I think it's a, I think it's an odd thing to have to, you know, win over a, a room of people with a hundred percent, uh, you know, unanimously win them over yeah. with yeah. a joke because like, like we've had it before we've pitched ideas to people, we deliver something or we pitch on something that we think is funny. Yeah. But then one person within that kind of board or something doesn't like it. So it just gets written off. Yeah. Yeah. You just need one person who thinks Mrs. Brown's voice is hilarious and you're fucked. <laughs> Doesn't matter how funny you are. Yeah. If, that, if that's the level of humor they're into. Today's non-sponsor. is Mrs. Brown's voice, <laughs> which won like best comedy or something, yeah. didn't it? Of the like decade or something Yeah, ridiculous. Like Crazy. But I think it is that thing of being disruptive. Like we pitched for and worked with a company not that long ago and they came you can, to oh, us. You can say their names. So we're going to, anyone yeah, we've yeah. worked with will bleep out their name because we might dive into, well, we will dive into statistics and returns and things like that. Well, we worked with and um, they came to us wanting to be this disruptive company in the L&D community. And We're bleeping the entire bit out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they came to us basically wanting to differentiate themselves from their, their 
their the market basically their market is quite bland like as a whole like which should be so easy to do like yeah 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 and we it, and it, it i was, enjoy yeah. it because yeah. you don't need to reinvent the wheel you just yeah. need to push the boundary slightly to yeah. stand out it's not creative agencies trying to like disrupt they're yeah, already yeah. by nature yeah being disruptive yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we pitched a load of things and they, they went with us and we sort of, we started doing the work for them. And then all of a sudden when we started actually creating the content that we pitched and they loved, it was like, oh, oh, we're, we're pushing it this far or, oh, we're doing this. It's like, well, you said you you, you, wanted, you wanted this, yeah. like you wanted to be disruptive, you wanted to push this boundary a little bit. Oh, oh, we can be disruptive. We can we can have guys with one button undone. We don't need to. They don't need to wear yeah, full suits. So their their idea was disruptive was boardroom. Aim it at, uh, so we can have fifty guys. year old bo- <laughs> boardroom people. I don't want to say I'm disruptive. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to take this up another Whoa. level. But yeah, it's like they don't even. Okay, they do have to have their jackets on, but they don't need to wear a tie and they can yeah. have a, a button undone. And, they, and, and, they could have their tie off, but let's have a clock behind show that it's still only midday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outrageous. Like, I understand people have their target target market and they need to, their imagery kind of needs to, to, to portray that. They need to sort of show, they're not going to show, say, teenagers if they're aiming at 40 year olds. Like, but, that's but they the, had but, identified they want to move on but, and modernize. But they, so. they modernized it. And also, again, you don't need to show your target market in their imagery. But it was more when we we're moving away from that. It was like, oh no, but we need to still show these people. Yeah. So how do you show people in in suits like with bland colours that they don't want to also change? Yeah. Like, if you want to be disruptive, there has to be a mark. We should have done a like a before and after, uh, and just get get models with fifty uh, year old models with their tie on and then just, <laughs> just slightly just loosen slightly it down. Loose. I think I think that's when I first heard you mention, and I don't know if you penned it. I'm I'm going to give you full kudos for this, and then probably going to come out that Shakespeare did or something. It's probably me. But uh, <laughs> blanding, bland <laughs> yeah. branding. Like, I'd never heard that before, but it just it just perfectly fit. And it was so sad because we were doing the blanding. But uh, we you know we wanted to do branding and all of a sudden we're being pushed to do blanding instead. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just bland branding. If anybody didn't understand the portmanteau there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, eventually we stopped working with the client because after a few months, there was too many like... We had to push back and wasn't really getting the trust in the in our ability to deliver. And so it, it was as well like we want to be creative, like we're creative people. Like we want that to was be the frustration. We spotted that yeah. opportunity in their sector to really drive yeah. it and then didn't like we're, we're a visual marketing company. Yeah. Like, of course, like visuals is such a key thing to us and we love creating them. And don't get me wrong, not all branding needs to be as, like, our branding's, like, crazy. Like, compared to some companies, like, our branding is very out there. But not all branding needs to be like that. It doesn't all, but it also doesn't have to be blanding. Like, yeah, it, yeah. The, the, you can still be corporate, but not have, like, shit branding. We like, work with loads of companies in sectors yeah. that, you know, aren't as wild as those because they don't need to be. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, know, definitely. And their stuff works really nicely. Um, but also, I think, I think with jokes landing, so... So a few things. So I think I think CEOs, to give them their credit, they must be aware of the results of humour within advertising. They mu- they must know about yeah. it. It's why each year at the Super Bowl, you know, it's what famously like the most expensive commercial spaces you can buy. They all tend to be humorous, and th- they all have the the you know the actors of the moment or a throwback to an actor, and they all tend to be humorous. Uh, some end up being quite predictable humour. Um, but I have an example of one that I loved, which has been really disruptive in that I, I recently watched a video on why they got it wrong. 
and the company's Oatly. I don't think we need to bleep this because we're about to show it. But um, yeah, it was it was a video that says why they got it wrong, but everything they said they got wrong, all the comments are like, this is exactly why we love this brand. So it, it was the divisive element. It's like to be loved, you also have to be hated a bit. Yeah. Uh, Jess, roll it. It's like milk made for humans. It's like milk made for humans. Wow. Wow. No cow. No, no, no. I don't understand. So you said that people didn't like it, but the majority of the audience loved it, but people said that it, it didn't work well. Yeah, so I think it was a marketing exec making the video that said this is why this advert didn't work. Like a traditional marketer, I think, who works in advertising. I thought it was a great don't, Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get how anyone it, yeah. could be offended from it. Like, offended it's by a it. bit weird. Like, people yeah. are going to remember it. It yeah. is funny. It just says no cow. It's got no cow in it. It's oat milk. <laughs> yeah, milk for humans. Yeah. Not for yeah. cows. Yeah, there's no cow. Yeah. And that's the CEO singing it as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. But you, so you could definitely see how if you, like, he's the CEO, so it's fine. But if you're pitching the idea. Here's what I don't get. Okay. So where's the funny? Yeah. It's pitching, you know, humorous ideas, you know, entertaining ideas to people. And then the point of this section with, with us talking about it is that people reject it. Even though widely they yeah. know that they love it. People still reject it because they're scared or they don't understand it for whatever reasons. Yeah. But then you look at like a car advert. Oh, no, sorry. I saw a kitchen advert yesterday. I think it's like a kid running through a field, then an owl chases him. Yeah. And then it cuts to an outside shot looking into a kitchen. And then it just said the kitchen maker's name. Yeah. I don't understand what happened. So I can't imagine somebody pitching this going, yeah, so basically this kid runs through a field and, and a barn owl chases him. And then yeah. we're outside looking in at a family eating as if we're going to go in and just kill the whole family. Yeah. Cut, title, your name. Magic. And, hey. then, and then people going, yeah, I actually love that idea. That's fantastic. Yeah. But then not liking, oh, it's the CEO doing a catchy little song about yeah. how there's no dairy in this dairy-free oat yeah. milk. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. By the way, if someone does do the uh, a kitchen ad where people watch inside and then go in and kill them, I think that would be remembered. I think yeah. that would work. Oh, I think it would yeah. be great if it was uh, if it was outside looking in at this family and it's set up as if it's like you know one of those like families that are all just. Um, it's gonna sound like my family doesn't smile. One yeah. of those families who smiles all the freaking time. Okay, yeah. and it's like all outside shots. Then people go in, kill them, bloodbath. Yeah. The next day, they have a cleaner. It's a massive house. They got a cleaner. They're, yeah. they're, they're doing all right. Cleaner goes in, wipes everything really easily, cleans really well. So, like, it's the advert for, like, you know. What, what's the kitchen det towel? Detol. E no. Yeah, it could be a cleaning thing. No, the, the, the kitchen towel where it's like bang and the dirt is. No, Fill it bang. No, not that. Isn't that? Bounce. I know I just said that. <laughs> it it's like one, one sheet does plenty. One sheet? <laughs> one sheet. One Wait, sheet there's another brand that say bang <laughs> and the dirt is gone. I said the wrong, I said the wrong slogan. Because I think that would get rejected. Yeah. I think, uh, I've heard of that from my competitors, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, let's try and find a client. Let's try and pitch an yeah. idea. If, you're, yeah. uh, if you make cleaning products or, yeah. you know, kitchen tiles, floorboards, anything like that, yeah. and one of your USBs is ease of cleaning, Yeah, we would like to speak to you. I, what I like about that is it speaks to our ambition. So... 
we have put no podcasts out, but already we know there's going to be like a, a good brand with loads of money to spend on a TV ad. We're not even just pitching social I didn't, content. I didn't say good brand or, <laughs> okay. or loads of money, okay. to be clear. Okay. Drew's doing it for free. Oh. Guys, I need exposure. <laughs> um, but so I guess the examples we've used, Super Bowl, uh, TV ads, really, TV commercials. But even just online advertising is guilty of it. I think I think it was like, of all those that use it, only 81% or something don't use any humor yeah in, in there or, or no sorry i think it's 79 percent, and we'll check the numbers on this but 79 percent of the, of their ads the people that were questioned online don't contain humor and you'd think online like it's Such the wild wild yeah. west in many ways but also that's how you get attention a lot of b2c brands have kind of made it their like tone of voice now it might be oatly i can't remember who it is Saw some Twitter Twitter posts recently. We could do with freebies from another company. So if you could, if it, if it could be a different company that um, we could get freebies from, oh, it might have been Ferrari. Might have been Porsche. <laughs> Greg's. <laughs> I think it was Greg's. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. It could have actually been Greg's. Um, but it, it was it was a B two C company that did like food or like that type of thing. I think it might Greg's. it might have been a donut place. Okay. I, I don't know. Anyway, I, I it, think it doesn't at this matter. Point we don't need to it know. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um but they've changed their tone of voice where it is more like conversational. It's got a humour to it. Like like Ryanair's TikTok, like it's blown up. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. But like their TikTok is like one of the most well known TikToks at the moment, like TikTok yeah. accounts. And all of it's humour. All of it. All I, of it's I heard an interview with a guy who's leading that campaign or has been for about a year and they're building it and they do have a pretty good strategy in place and he said before there was no real strategy and so that's what they've worked he's worked on uh for most of this year and it was on i think he was on the social minds podcast and it's yeah uh ryanair being uh, a bit of a bastard yeah yeah and, it, and it's and it's more like why would most people on tiktok teenagers should i say i'm not like yeah sing, I'm on not, TikTok. but i'm not i'm not singling out everyone but like <laughs> That also isn't my demographic, guys. For listeners, I'm doing a cool hand sign right now to indicate how young I am. I was wearing a cap. Now it's backwards to indicate I'm also. That is also not my demographic. Okay. Um, But it it, it's appealing to them. It's appealing. It's appealing to people that like eighteen, nineteen, twenty people that are going on holiday, like the first like lads' holiday. It's like they're remembering that thing. It's oh, I'll have a check on Ryanair. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're targeting people who don't yet know that yeah. Ryanair are gonna rob them. So they're like, oh. let's get these guys. They don't know that we yeah. can just like get loads of extra charges from we them. We yeah. don't want to get sued by Ryanair. So today's sponsor <laughs> is also Ryanair. <laughs> Inter- interesting. On that on that interview uh, with with the main marketing guy, he he said what I liked is they're very keen on experimenting. So yeah. they don't have too much um, internal debate about what to put out. They say let's put it out. And then let's see how it, how it performs. And a lot of it is about sort of subverting a lot of people's complaints and things like yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but he did admit that there's occasions where they go too far and where there is actually a genuine complaint that should be fixed for quality. Uh, they shouldn't make fun of that. Uh, yeah. So I, th- I think that's true. So, But I think you can be funny and provocative, yeah. but also be aware of it. So on, on the... For. On the topic of provocative, and I think we might end up just doing this as another topic down the line, because this isn't where's the funny. I think this is like, this is the provocateur version of uh, marketing. Yeah. But have you guys looked 
is it not Shake Shack? Radio Shacks, like Twitter. Obviously, we don't have a Radio Shack here. It's an American thing. No. But have you like, so like if I said get, Radio Shack. Get it up, get it up. I know, I know of it through, you know, uh, popular media. But like, if American, yeah, so if I said Radio Shack, what, what would you think? Um, They pop up in American sitcoms a lot. So it's like you, you go and buy like a hi-fi or yeah, like you, yeah. back in the day you go and buy a DVD player or something. Yeah, and, and there's always a, like in Atypical, I think he works in a place that's like Radio Shack right, or okay. something like This that. is the type of tweets that I was Just talking for me. about. Just let me have a look, let me have a look. I was talking about with this other brand, this B2C brand, it's, it's very like gen z it's very like someone in like a gen z has been given the tick the twitter oh, account it feels and like they've just... been hacked it feels, oh, like, yeah, it feels yeah. like the interns on his last day and they're just like you know what fuck him <laughs> like some of some of the tweets genuinely you just think they've definitely been hacked they must have been hacked what do you think led to it so they've basically gone, they basically pivoted, I think, and went more into like the cryptocurrency world. Yeah. Right. And because they've gone into that crypto world, they've gone for like the, I guess, like the crypto bro demographic. Oh, wow. It definitely seems names, like yeah. Yeah. Radio Shack, ETH, BNB chain, yeah. It, it, it feels like I'm reading someone's personal, like personal tweets not as in like oh, their it, private it, yeah, tweets it as in like, like yeah. it's yeah. a personal account like yeah. i don't feel like i'm reading a, a brand that's verified as what, well. what i sort of it's hope has happened and this isn't for me of course but what i kind of hope has happened is maybe they didn't use twitter much at all and they just said to people like let's just go blow it up yeah i mean as a you know as someone from the uk does who hasn't you know it's not a it's not argos we don't know it loan <laughs> Like, there's no history for me for it. So I don't really understand, yeah, like, what, what happens. Yeah. I only really hear, hear about it in, like, films, TV shows, like you say, anyway. Yeah. But then to suddenly, like, stumble across it, like, one random night on Twitter. Yeah. It just That's why you're retweeting it all. I'm just saying, like, how far, like, we don't need to share the tweets, but how far do you go in that point of, like, I understand we, we've just been talking about, like, you're not obviously going to be funny for everyone. If you try and make your marketing great for everyone, you're not, you're marketing to nobody. If you market to everyone, you're marketing to no one. Hey, maybe we're guilty not. of what we've been saying. We're, maybe we're the CEOs right now. I mean, not I, I definitely can't see that. <laughs> but what does it say? It says, uh, so don't do edibles and manage a brand's social media just DM'd Kim Kardashian. So I've just done drugs. I'm managing a social, like, how far do you go where, like, that's just tarnishing a brand? You know what's weird about that? It feels like an AI's done that. It feels like an AI's scoured something like Reddit for popular words. Yeah. And or put is them it, together. Yeah. Or is it like the, uh, like, you know, fellow kids type meme? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But just crazy. maybe right now, pop a pin in it. Let's bank this. Yeah. And then yeah. let's chat about it, like, that. more. Because it's a really interesting thing to, like, yeah look at and discover as well i thought yeah um okay cool and it's provocation we're not finding it funny that's the thing when i read it i it was like yeah. a like a what? like a I, yeah. I found it like kind of outrageously funny do you know what i mean but yeah let's pop a pin in it let's come back okay so to bring it to a little bit of a close what sort of tips would you give to businesses that are looking to say introduce funny into their marketing and branding great question so obviously this the whole of this chat has been talking about how people need to be daring and people need to be out there obviously for some people that just isn't isn't the case some people don't need to have humor sometimes you don't want humor sometimes it's the antithesis of that that you want yeah which is fine you know for instance covid covid happened immediately all of the adverts that came out 
were all identical somber adverts. Yeah. But even though they became, you know, a little bit predictable and, and people ended up like memeing them and all that jazz, right at the very start, I don't think people necessarily wanted to see a lol take on COVID. So at that point in time, that made sense, okay? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think there's obviously a time and a place. So we're saying all this stuff about people needing to be daring yeah. and stuff. It's not all the time. No, obviously. we've done plenty that's not. I think of things like um, where it was about companies failing and liquidation and the process of how to liquidate your own company. Yeah. Like that's a very sad time. Um, yeah. I think it know. is about that, like knowing your target audience. So boiling down to the fact that like even creating personas where it's like, oh, this is the ideal client that we're after. And then looking around, like what what they like to read, what they like to look at, what marketing they seem to be like, what adverts that persona likes, yeah. and then looking at like well, what, I think I think that will reveal if they would yeah, respond to yeah. humor, right? And so so, but let let's let's rather than do a persona thing, let's say say their persona does match in this room yeah. within a brand for humor. Uh, how do they get that going? It's tough, isn't it? I, d I don't know. I don't know how to give a succinct tip to this, to be honest, just because it's like writing comedy is incredibly hard. Writing any genre can be difficult depending on the genre you're I, writing. I think I guess, it's but, the hardest. But, I, think, yeah, I do, yeah. Writing comedy is hard. Writing a joke, you know, I, I do it all the time where I, I, I think I've cracked a very funny joke and it's not at all. Yeah. Um, and you guys really let me know, which is nice. Um, I, but I think writing a joke is a good way to start like, or, or writing a funny premise or something funny, introducing humor to a funny situation or, or a situation that and introducing something funny. Yeah. Because even though it's not right, because it's hard to write, you need yeah. quite a lot of, uh, you know, run throughs and edits yeah. and re-edits. Okay. Of it. I've, I've got some tips then in that case, in that sense then. Obviously some people fail at the humor side because it's just not funny. And yeah. for that, they, I guess they need to, you know, widen their comedic vocabulary or yeah, something. Yeah. And they need to have more of an appetite for, for funny, digest and eat more funny, yeah. take in more funny, and then they might be able to put out more funny. The other thing is, does your joke attack a specific group of people? Yeah, if yeah. it does, it's probably shit. Yeah. Uh, does your joke attack a vulnerable set of people, a protected class of people? If you do, it's probably shit. Like does, sea turtles. Like sea turtles, exactly. See, it's yeah. a little joke put in there. It's like, yeah, I mean, no, it's I, I, tough, it's I get the point because yeah. then, then everyone starts but going also, into all the you know freedom of speech or that stuff. I guess but the yeah, joke like, should be good natured within within marketing. Really, it should be good natured. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. And then I had a third point, but I can't remember it. But I think telepathically, you know it. So you're about to finish it so off. So I think you're going to say a good place to start is if you find it funny. Yeah. If you find the thing funny, then you can write it and probably communicate it to be funny. That and is what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. So I think that's a double-edged sword. I think that's the type of thing where, like, like you could get it, go get it peer-reviewed. It's more like I, I have to do that. Now. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll write quite a reflex post from my personal account. I'll be like, guys, just check this over. Yeah. Uh, recently, you you said too much dong in one of the ones I said, so I had to change that. Yeah, you dialed down the dong. I dialed down the <laughs> dong, and it, you know. It was all right. But yeah, I, I think that is a good place to start, though. Like, For anybody if, listening, if, we can see the post now. of. Uh... <laughs> if you or your colleagues or your peers... I think it's a good place it, to start. Yeah, it's a good place to start. And then think of it from a marketing point yeah. of view. Is the messaging clear? Uh, you know, it's funny alongside of it and, and what you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah, okay. So to wrap it all up then in a, in a nice tight little bow, 
I think we're saying people do need to be generally more daring because be yeah. people widely yeah. acknowledge that they appreciate and love and also react to yeah. humor in a positive way yeah. in ads, in marketing, in the, content, the research just, just in general, in general media. Yeah, yeah, perfect. But then within that, there's obviously some instances where humor shouldn't be used. And in those instances, I guess they should just be clear. Like they should just be clear, yeah. right? Yeah. If you're trying to be provocative, then I guess just tread bravely but cautiously yeah which yeah. it sounds like you know an oxymoron but i think you yeah you want to be daring in what you're saying it could pay off really really well but at the same time you want to be cautious in what you're doing because what you don't want to do is you don't want to just offend yeah that's not going to be great for anybody and then opposite to that is um don't be afraid to try it you know try, try and be funny experiment with it know know how you're set it up as an experiment so you you sort of predicting results where to go and then did it outperform from w words from a wise man who sat here abt always be testing always have experiments running ab testing always be testing abt write rewrite and rewrite try look for spaces and opportunities to inject some funny don't cloud your messaging yeah okay People, when it comes to humor, I think just the core message is king. The core message is key. Yeah. People try and put in jokes that don't necessarily make sense because they've heard a joke. Yeah. So, yeah, de definitely, definitely with that. Okay, cool. I think that was a really good first broadcast. Yeah. I, I think it was the best broadcast we've done. So far, yeah, me too. So far, yeah. In fact... I'm going to make sure the next one's not as good, so it's going to stay oh, no. the no, best no, one no. for Let's some get the other time. Way. <laughs> Obviously, this comes out every week, every Wednesday. Download it. Don't forget those early plugs to go onto the YouTube to, you know, yeah. see what faces are making these noises. Yeah. And before you go over to the YouTube, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Yes. Drop yeah. us a like yeah. and a rating. Yeah. Make sure it's five stars, though. And, Drew uh, will tell you one and star. And at this but... stage, a positive comment. Save yeah. criticism for a bit later on. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, until next time. Bye. Woo. Bye.